I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Live from the podcast rooms in Glasgow, it's all about the jurors with Ricky Newell, Derek Ferguson and Charlie Miller. Hello and welcome to All About the Jurors. It's myself, Ricky Neal, Derek Ferguson and Charlie's already done it a bunk. Can you believe that? Ah, well, the, the, the man's, he's, he's a jet setter, isn't he? Jet yeah, setter. Charlie boy, so uh, he's somewhere in the Mediterranean. Uh, I'm not going to give away his, his location. Uh, he probably doesn't want us to do that anyway. But, but saying that, you said he really deserved it. Oh, he, oh, he's been working with his soccer academy with the kids. Uh, I, I've, I've tried it myself uh, oh, years and years ago, and it's uh, it's it's quite hard. Yeah. It's hard work. So as forty-five five-year-olds, <laughs> that's t- that's as tough as it gets. I'm telling you, I'm bad enough looking after my two kids, and they're yeah. like grown. You end up honestly, you have to tie their laces over and over. And on, honestly, I had a sore back. You know, bending down, you know, because and then the thing is, some of them are no into the football as well, but you just want to kind of give them kind of stuff, we coordination stuff and all that, just keeping them happy. That's uh, that's that's a hard task, I can tell you. That's it. But do you know what? I've been we've been joined by a, a special guest, another Miller, aye, another Miller, uh, and it's actually our very good old friend yep. from our, our old podcast, uh, Tom Miller. I'll just bring him on screen now. How you doing, Tom? Even guys, so Charlie couldn't make it. He sent his old man. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good replacement. Uh, but you've also you've released uh, recently your your new book, uh, which I've started reading. Which I'm not a big book reader, but uh, I'm really kind of into this one. And obviously, with, uh, I seen the lounge. You know, I was the lounge. I've got lounge seventy two in my head. Uh, yeah. Also watched the Rangers seventy two on Amazon Prime, which you featured oh, them was... quite a bit as well, didn't you? That was amazing. Did, one. That, that was brilliant. Thank you, Derek. Uh, it was a real privilege and an honour to be part of it. Um, I, I felt, you know, about two and a half years ago that we needed to recognise that achievement of Barcelona of 1972. And the publisher that I'd done some work with previously agreed that it was probably a worthwhile project to put the book together. So it, it, it was great fun. And Derek, you know the guys, you know the guys of that era. Once you sit down in their company, I'm not going to say it's over a coffee, but maybe over a glass of red or something similar. <laughs> it, it, the hours just while away. And the character and personality that they all have is absolutely terrific. And the camaraderie of that squad 50 uh, years on is yeah. remarkable. So it, it was a privilege to sit down with them and put the book together. It's been well received. Um, originally launched in hardback, is now out again in paperback, which certainly suggests that uh, the numbers have been good. And the profits from it go straight to the former players. So. I went for a couple of good nights with the boys along the way. And the uh, 72 film, yeah, it, it evoked every emotion, didn't it? Whether it was, uh, you know, the, the joy of the success, um, memories of the way Rangers went about their business on the park at that time, um, or the ending when, you know, you'd Alec McDonald there, you know, just overcome by emotion. I, I, I think uh, they really captured every potential emotion throughout the whole film and uh, yeah they, they've done a terrific job to commemorate you know 50 years ago when barcelona was conquered yeah i, I choked up when uh, we doddy you know when he kind of broke down uh but see the guys what i love about them uh is they're so down to earth aren't they you know that's the yeah. one thing you know i mean european cup winners you know but you know they just love, uh, they love just talking fo- football, obviously, but it's just that, I mean, I'm, I'm overawed 
with them. I'm sitting in, in their presence because my dad obviously talks, especially Stevie, yeah. that was my dad's hero. But then when you're sitting with them, having a wee glass of red, having a wee carry-on and all that, that's the thing that I kind of get, just how how good people they are and just so down to earth. I just love that. That's it. Listen, we're going to come back to your book later on in the show, Tom. Yeah. All right? Because I'm yeah, getting loads you. of questions for you. So... I think it'll be a late one. I'm only kidding, Derek. I know Derek's <laughs> like, as soon as it's 45 minutes, like, we need to go, we need to go. <laughs> I'm only kidding, you on. But last week, USG, what a game that was, eh? Oh. I mean, would you, we Charlie, you know, Charlie actually expected, he thought, what was it, he said we're going to rattle them four or five. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of, I thought, I wasn't was as confident. Nah, I, wasn't I, I thought we were maybe going to have to go into extra time, to be honest with you. Uh, but, I mean, we were so disappointed, you know, with the away performance, but uh, the, the boys certainly upped it. I think we had a wee bit of fortune as well. I was getting a wee bit worried going towards uh, the end of the first half. We hadn't got the breakthrough, so... And that wee bit of luck, which you, which you need, is, uh, you know, when the guy uh, handballs it with his arm. You know, I don't know what he was thinking of, but uh, we just needed that, and especially before the break. And I tell you what, Tom, I don't know if you agree, obviously you were commentating at it, but the pressure... You know, oh. on Tavernier, but uh, but even I felt when he when he got the put the ball down, I knew it was going into the back of the net. That's the confidence we've got in him. Yeah, it was massive, wasn't it? And clearly, ice oh. in his veins at that stage of proceedings, it was pivotal. Miss it, our night was probably over, uh, and our campaign mm-hmm. and ambition for Champions League was probably over. The club had never overturned a two 0 deficit from a first leg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you have to recognise the part the fans played. They were absolutely oh. sensational. Right, and without a shadow of doubt, as I say, my boys were there and they came come into the house later on that night after the game and that's what they were uh, absolutely uh, revelling in it. They yes. said it was amazing. So as uh, and, uh, and there, we, 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 we spoke about it uh, here, that the fans, you know, they had their part to play and uh, boy, did they do it. I mean, see... As you're saying, it was very frustrating the first fifteen twenty minutes because their keeper was having a blinder. See that, see that save he done against Cholak. Mm-hmm. You know, like for about six yards. And when you see that, you're thinking he's he's totally confident. But I think the rest of the team, I think the rest of the team actually played like Rangers the week before. They just didn't really turn up. I don't think. Uh, but, but see that game, and then Tom just saying we've never never overturned a a two uh, nothing deficit. So the pressure was on, and you could actually. I mean, I'm, as I say, I, I watched it the house, you know, watching Rangers TV, but uh, the pressure on Tav, you know, but, and that's the, the but is, I was so confident he was going to stick it away, and we needed that, mm. and that just gave us a massive lift, everybody, even the players, I bet you they were absolutely buzzing at halftime, ready to, to, to come out in the second half, although we didn't start that well in the second half, but uh, but we'll probably talk about one or two of the players. You Do know. you know, my nephew actually told me that uh, Tav actually decides where he's going to place his penalty the night before a match. As I think, right? I, I, well, I can I give you a, a, another insight to obviously I'm, I'm fed up with me talking about him. Lewis, Ricky, you better disqualify that, that he doesn't know we're going to get a penalty the night before <laughs> <laughs> because that, See, that, Lewis, that, he, that, he, that conspiracy would spread like wildfire oh, throughout the other end of Glasgow. We're always due a penalty, Tom. We're always due a penalty. That's great insight. <laughs> uh, that's a great insight into what Tavernier does. So he decides the night before. And Lewis, I'll just quickly say, he decides when he puts the ball in. Aye. Uh, so there you go. So there's different ways, isn't it? They've got, maybe he goes through it in his mind. You know, so everybody does things differently. You know, and that's, that's probably good for him. He's mentally, he exactly knows what he's going to do. So Tom, last week uh, we were talking with Charlie and Derek about what it's like when you first sign with Rangers, you're expected to hit the, hit the ground running. <laughs> And some of the players have been getting slated already and they've only played a couple of games, but Cholak, I mean, he's starting to become one of the fans' favourites and then obviously he scored last week. Yeah, we, we should know better, shouldn't we? But expectation. We're all hugely committed Rangers fans. We want the club to do well. We've come through some trauma 10 years ago and things. We want back to being the best that we are and the best that we can be. And when we sign players... Yeah, there's a huge expectation on their shoulders. The goldfish bowl with Glasgow takes a bit of dealing with in itself. When you get guys like John Lundstrom a year ago, came up red carded against Alish Kert in the early European campaign, having to live in the city, albeit as a Liverpudlian, who probably knows the passions run so high in a football city like Liverpool. But in Glasgow, 
it's an extra dimension. So maybe we shouldn't just be quite as keen to judge that these guys won't have a career at Rangers. And I think Lundstrom's the prime example. I was a bit disappointed being 100% candid that Mark Hatefully had been critical of Antonio Cholak. If anyone knows that it takes time to settle, particularly for a striker, it's Mark. And Mark had a wonderful career as a Rangers player. But in those early days, and I remember him having come over from Monaco, a pre-season friendly against Man United, and Mark had an absolutely torrid, torrid night of it in front of goal. But he knuckled down, built his fitness, and that was the problem when Mark Hatley joined us. He needed to build his fitness. He did, and he remains a terrific Ranger. But if he qualified that bit criticism of Antonio Cholak with, I've been in that movie, I know what's required, and I believe he can turn it round. I think that would have been much more palatable to the Rangers family than the negativity that perhaps Mark offered at that time. Tom, that's an absolute great point. I think, did I not? I spoke about that last week because you talk about Mark, you know, and Mark was a fantastic player uh, when he got settled. Uh, at Rangers, but same with Ali, Ali McCoy, that took yeah. uh, Coisty a bit of time. So, and you're talking about top, top players. So, uh, and I think we're, and you're right, we are a wee bit guilty, of it, but just a wee, at times we just go to show a wee bit more patience if you can. But it's it's an emotional yeah. game. We, we want it now, you know. But uh, but no, it was a great point you, you brought up there. So, and then we had Tillman for the third. Derek was at Barisic cross many. <laughs> we like that. It looked like it was going right over the the stand at one point, didn't it? How did they get up there? Uh, hey, but yeah. do you know something? Uh, we talk about players settling in. Tillman, yeah, I tell you what, he is one smooth operator, isn't he? He is just class in everything that he does. But, you know, here he's, he can show you what he can do. He's not just that he wants to get the ball in the deck, and you know, but he can get, get up there. And it's brave as well because you're probably expecting the keeper to come out and maybe try and punch that. You know, the keeper maybe gets uh, caught in two minds, but so he's brave, but the technique, even getting up and the, the, the height that he got, uh, even the one he scored, you know, on Saturday, different class. Uh, I just I just love watching him. And I think that the fans, uh, they'll enjoy watching him week in, week out. He's a class act. Right. Tom, see yeah, this, what this lad, Ricky, made his debut in the Champions League for Bayern against Barcelona. You don't get thrown into right. that environment unless you're a wee <laughs> bit special. And I think terrific work from the recruitment team under Ross Wilson to have tied him up on a, an assurance that if he's available for a transfer, Rangers of first refusal. I don't know whether that fee will be within our, our budget. I imagine they'll have capped that with an agreement already. But he's hit the ground running. Of that, there's absolutely no doubt. Such personality for a 20-year-old um, and has it all. And is willing to take the ball in under a bit of pressure, creativity, and imagination it is an extra dimension. It's made us forget very quickly so far about the qualities of Joe Aribo. Yeah. Well, Joanne, I loved as well the interview after the game, Tom, you know, how emotional he was, yeah. you know, so he gets it right away. And as I say, the, the, the fans have took to him, he's took to the fans, and it's brilliant to see that, you know, that, that he, he feels, he knows he's at a big club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, I get it, you know, where he's came from and he's a special talent, but but he knows what it means to play yeah, for Rangers. That, that was very emotional. That's what, was about, that's what I was about yeah. to ask Tom there. You just, oh. told, you just told my question. Right. You, you can still ask Tom. <laughs> no, no, no. What I, was, what I was going to say, Tom, is like, uh, obviously, do you get a chance to interview some of the Rangers players? Because that emotion, I mean, he was, mm. he was just a bit in tears, wasn't he, last Aye. week? No, uh, I'll leave that to the full-time media team. Um, <laughs> I just, by, particularly last uh, midweek, after the Union game, you're exhausted when you've covered the 90 minutes with total focus. You're almost uh, unaware of, of the numbers that's round about you. You're so focused on the game itself. And sleep doesn't come easy because adrenaline is still running at 100 miles an hour. And, you know, it, we got a live feed from that interview and you could see the tears in his eyes. Ah. So we're still effectively on air, but the full-time media team covered that off. And I'm quite happy just to hear it and take it on board. But... Phenomenal evening at Ibrooks, and if we can have that replicated this Tuesday, it'll be something special again. That's the first thing I said to the boys when they come into the house, you know, after the game. I says, you ought to see the reaction of Tillman, you know, how emotional he was. And they were like, going, that's absolutely brilliant. And it is. It's, you just see that. It's like, you know, we're all in it together. The fans, the players, the management team, 
but Tom and and, and his crew does, you know, it's it's Spiro and oh and this together and it's uh, I just love that. I just love to see that. Yeah. Do you know what the other thing that I thought was pretty good last week was uh the the bit that happened with the officials where Sands it looked like he was getting a second yellow card. Oh. And the, the referee actually listened to the linesman and he stepped in and he overturned it. I don't think I've ever seen that in Scottish football. I would agree. Well, it was a bit unique. Um, particularly as Barr was in operation, he chose not to go there, um, which is great because the referees are there to control the game and it's only if there's real contention of a decision they should go and use VAR. And clearly it was good to see his assistants through the being wired for sound, getting the message across that the tackle was clean. And when you saw it from the other angle, Will held their breath for thinking, a second yellow card here for James Sands. Mm-hmm. And yet it was a terrific challenge and wonderful from the referee to acknowledge that he'd made a mistake without using VAR, particularly as we had a more of a mountain to climb because of the penalty awarded out there in Belgium the week before, which was a travesty, effectively. Um, however, it all came good on the night. And well done, the referee. It was a bit unusual, that's for sure. The referee incidentally... Yeah, my, heart, my heart rate. Yeah. My heart rate was through the roof, Tom, because <laughs> I was actually... I'm, I mean, as you'd, you're even sitting and myself watching it in the house, I was shouting at the tail. I was wanting Sands, the manager, to take him off because of that booking. You just, and when that challenge came in, because... I've seen it, they call it excessive force. Now, as a yep. brilliant tackle, he takes the ball, but it's that force, and I went, oh, it's, I thought he was away, but uh, no, it was, again, we were talking about the wee bits of luck that you need, uh, and obviously, aye, so, aye, we, we needed that. There's we, there's we James, he disagreeing with me, he's saying, he, he, he's using bad language here, which I can't see on, he's, he's saying <laughs> he didn't think the referee was that good, that was only his good decision of all night, so. Actually, James, you he, he did have a few <laughs> other questionable decisions, but that one we'll, we'll give him full credit for. Aye, that's the, that's the only one I was talking about. All right, James, he's, he's going he's gonna to slap me next time he sees me. But I'm going to actually, we're going to move on to the Livingston game because there was a VAR decision there, I think, as well. See, in the first 15, 20 minutes, Sholak was actually brought down, which I thought should have been a penalty. And it's going to get to the stage where when it comes December, when we get VAR in, people mm-hmm. say, oh, back then it should have been this, should have been that. Tom, what do you think about VAR coming in? It is a bit bizarre that it's going to appear mid-season, and you're absolutely right. People will reflect on uh, decisions that may have cost clubs points in the first half of the season, but all we can do is is trust the judgment of those. Let me think about that. What did I just say? Trust the judgments of those (laughs) that make the big decisions. Um, That in itself is a bit of a conundrum, but they've had to recruit, they've had to invest, the Livingston game, incidentally, they had a trial going on at uh, that match, which we never really heard any feedback or report on. Um, there's clearly a lot of work to be done to have the personnel involved, fully understanding the system and taking responsibilities for the decisions they make from it. Um, but I agree, Ricky, it's, it's a strange win. Hey, it wouldn't be Scottish football if we did things so, it, would it? I know. Derek, what do you think about it coming into the game? I, I do this, it, listen, we've got a, it's in all the other countries, you know, and, and yeah, it's a wee bit bizarre, it's coming in halfway through, you know, you, you'd think, like to think it should have been in right from the off, obviously it's down to money, so, uh, but the, the quicker it's here now, the, the better. Do you, know, do you know what I think it should do? Right, see, yeah. see when they're waiting for this goal, de- goal decision or something <laughs> it should be like the air hockey where they've got to be organ player going do, 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 do. <laughs> and all the fans and said it's just this it's this horrible kind of edgy nervousness isn't uh, it's, and again it's like you, you, the players you, don't know you, whether you're going to celebrate their uh, goal and you just worry about uh, the person or the other referee that's in their wee uh, office or whatever looking at the footage you know it was the one with us you know over uh, against Union you know it was a VAR was hell-bent and given a penalty. They were looking at it and looking at it, but I still thought when the referee goes over the monitor, he's there, initially didn't give it. So I don't... Civet was trying to influence the referee, mm. but the referee should be bigger and better than that. You know, and when he looks at that monitor, looked at uh, Golson, he's what, it's a yard away from him. You know, there's no chance there was any intent there. You know, so that, that kind of that worries you. But that's the way it is. It's... Uh, Human error at times, but uh, but no, I think I think VAR will in the long run be a good thing. 
I think I've got a wee, a wee a thought process on it, Ricky, and that is, from a referee's perspective, if there is doubt, there is no doubt. Mm-hmm. If the referee has doubt, he should not award. Let the game flow. And I think that's the only mantra they can really adopt. If in doubt, there is no doubt. Move on. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's bang on, bang on the money. <laughs> right, we get goals from Tillman, Sholak, Arfield and Lawrence yesterday, but we also got a couple of assists from Rabi Montondo, who seems to be coming onto a game now. He was a wee bit ropey in two games just previously, but this one yesterday... Patience, uh, that's what we've been talking patience, about. Patience, the, the guy a break. Tom, who's impressed you so far with the new signings? I really like Tom Lawrence. He uh, is unassuming. Yeah. He's a player's player. Uh, if you saw some of the work he did against Union at Ibrooks box to box, we perhaps haven't seen the best of him yet or truly understand his qualities and techniques. I think he's such a versatile player, can play anywhere in the midfield or off the front and even in a wide area. Captain of Derby County last year. If you look at his finish against St. Johnson, it was breathtaking. He made it look so easy um, in a very congested area between the sticks getting there right in the heart of the St. Johnson 18-yard box. He just popped the ball home in his first touch. So he's really impressed me. And I think the manager's doing a fine job of introducing these players at the right time. Matondo was operating wide left on Saturday with the absence of Ryan Kent. And I thought when we were two up, or when the, the second goal for Cholak, that really inspired them. He did a terrific job to press the defender. Um, I think it was the the wide right midfield player in his second spell at St. Johnson, Dre Wright, that Matondo terrorised him and robbed him of possession in the box, played into the danger area, touch and finish from your main striker, Cholak, was terrific. They all know they will only have limited time to impress the manager and the coaching staff, simply because the competition for places is absolutely rife. And I, I think the recruitment's been terrific. I spoke to Bomber a couple of weeks back and he effectively said the club had been tracking Matondo since he was 17 years of age. But it was sold on to Schalke from Man City for 11 million quid. So at that time, he was way out of budget to become a ranger. But they've stuck with it. They've monitored his progress in that period and gotten when the price and the time has been right. So terrific. You know, defensively, let, let's you know, not be overly critical of Ben Davies is behind the rest, perhaps on fitness. His last start prior to Saturday was in the covers of Sheffield United in mid-April. Um, he was signed later than most of the other new faces. Um, but I think he looks comfortable, left-sided centre-back. Sands I like as well. He may be a victim of his own versatility, that he's not uh, a first-pick centre-back, hold midfield player, but he's a great addition to the squad. Um, Lots of positives just now, and I think the recruitment has been pretty much on the money. And there's David Morrison kind of going on about what you were talking about there, Tom. It's going to make it harder for some of the younger players for Rangers to get in now. You know, he's saying he thinks Tom's a, he thinks Tillman's a, a gem, but he's worried about uh, Lowry not getting game time. What do you think? He's the kind of player that is going to end up going out and loan, Derek. Uh, well, I think we, we spoke about Lowry uh, last week. Uh, one thing about the young man, he's uh, extremely talented. And you look at the strength and depth that we've got at the, the moment, you know, and you look at that bench on Saturday, you know, it's, it's so, so strong. So it's d- going to be difficult for these guys. Uh, it's interesting with Thompson there, you know, about Bomber, like Tratton, Matondo and that. And the recruitment, we talk about Lawrence, you know, coming Tillman. And the recruitment's been first class. That's sort of a credit to the guys behind the scenes, you know, that you know, that go and watch these games up and down the, the country. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, a, nice to see King getting some minutes on the part. But uh, yeah, I, I think, and I don't know, it'll be the young man. The young man said, "I taste it. Once you've had a taste, you need more." And he'll be frustrated if he can't break into that side. But uh, so it might look like he might need to to go and loan. But uh, but his job at the minute is he's, he's back. He's obviously playing. We thought he was he's injured, but he's got to even in training put pressure on these guys. And it's about levels, you know, playing at a certain level, you know. And we'll, hey, we'll need to be up a level 
uh, tomorrow night. But uh, nah, he's a, a talented boy, Lowry, and I would love to see him get you that opportunity, but it's, it looks as if it's going to be really difficult and you've got Tillman, you've got Lawrence. Mm. Yeah, his application, Ricky, has takes? to be on the money. As Derek alludes right. to every day in the training ground, he's he's Oof. got to aspire to be at least the same level of guys who are in possession. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, you've got Stephen Davis and Scott Arfield, both of whom have excelled when they've been given no time <laughs> this year. You know? Um, and they've been patient as well. So the youngsters have to be patient. The more mature players have to be patient. And the manager has huge decisions to make. So they take that squad and pick the 11 that gets the job done. And we hope it's twice a week, Wednesdays and Saturdays, going forward from next month. Um, Lowry, his qualities aren't up for debate. He is that bit mm -hmm. special. His movement off the ball, his imagination uh, is obvious. Um, he's coming back from injury. So again, he picked up an injury at the wrong time um, when he probably would have got game time perhaps against Blackpool or West Ham or Tottenham along the way. So he's probably a month or six weeks behind the rest. Um, and he'll just have to continue to work at his game, delivering the B-side if the opportunity comes. I don't think he needs to go on loan. Um, I, I think he'll be part of the squad, likewise Lee and King, uh, going forward. And if we make the Champions League proper, that squad has to have the depth of quality because the league is our holy grail this year. We must win the league. Mm. That's what it's all about. So it's hard for a young guy, because just what I'm saying earlier, when you've had that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A taste of that. He'll believe that he he should be in that Rangers starting 11. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But... Uh, but it's just mentally, it's, that's what he's got to kind of aspire to. And this is why Tom just touched on it. I've spoken about it. Day in, day out, you just go to work your, your backside off and, and try, you know, enforce. And just keep the manager, you just keep reminding the manager because long season, loads of games, people do pick up injuries, you know, and you've got to be ready to step in. Yeah. Good question, I was reading all these comments coming all in. Right. Uh, <laughs> Tom, you've actually got, uh, there's Big Mitch, Big Mitchell's Gracias says, Tom, your commentary is second to none. Love the passion. Big John Curry says you're a legend. Good to speak to you guys. Different you're, class. Yep. You're getting Thank a bit you. of praise there. A bit of praise there. Oh, we, we spoke about this last week. I'm just going to put this on quickly. Darren Patterson's asking, who would you play in goal tomorrow? For me, it's McGregor. But from what we're led to believe, he's now been told that McLaughlin is number one. Mm -hmm. I, was, I found it strange why the manager never come out and, you know, and just stated that. You know, if that's his, well, it looks like it. You know, we were we were debating as well. You know, is McGregor a better shot stopper? I think so. Is McLaughlin better? Uh, maybe coming for balls, maybe better with his feet, probably. Uh, but it's the managers obviously get a, you know, he's got a feel for McLaughlin. He thinks he should be the number one. So hey, listen, we'll just go with the manager. You know, and uh, he's not got many decisions wrong, has he? Yeah, but Tom, we've got we've got three good goalkeepers now, haven't we? We have, and you have to feel for. Uh, Robbie McCrory as well. Two games last season, mm. one against Alish Kerr away from home, the other against Celtic and two clean sheets. Called into the Scotland international squad by Steve Clark in the summer. So terrific that we've got that option as well. But John McLaughlin is the man in possession. And again, we have to trust the manager's call. The last time that Alan McGregor played, and he's been an absolute wonder between the sticks, particularly in the European arena. The last time Alan played was against Tottenham Hotspur. 
So the, the understanding that's been built up. And remember, we've got three clean sheets in a row in the last three matches. Darren, great question. We all love Alan McGregor, what he's achieved and what he's committed to the club over the years. Um, and we all recognise his qualities. But I think for the moment, the manager has made a decision. He hasn't made it public why he's made that decision. But with three clean sheets and the last three outings, I think John McLaughlin at the moment is most definitely the man in possession. Right. Tom, you've kindly donated your brand new book, Barcelona. Yeah, yeah I'll give you three. I'm going to do a little question. I've got one signed. Well, you're going to give Not me a sign. I've got one signed <laughs> by the goal scorers from that terrific night in Barcelona. Oh, well, that'll be worth a fortune. I've got another two that I can forward on that haven't been signed, and you can find some worthy homes for them through um, the podcast all about the Jers competition. I'm going to do a little quiz question. It's quite an easy one, actually, but it's something to do with tomorrow night's game. So in 1999, Rangers won 4-1 against PSV. Who scored PSV's goal? <laughs> so in 1999, Rangers won 4-1 against PSV. to give you an answer, Ricky. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> what you like? Uh, anyway, we'll move on to tomorrow night's game, Derek. What's our chances against PSV? Well, uh, it's about levels, Ricky. You know, and uh, tomorrow night the place is going to be bouncing, and it'll be one the players <clears throat> will be. They'll be really looking forward to this. This is one. That, this is a game that's going to get the juices flowing. That's for sure. Uh, so, what am I looking for? Tom's just talking about clean sheets. That would be brilliant. Uh, I just think when you're up against a, a quality side like PSV, certainly we get into this final third, and we've got the players to do it. We just need to up our, our, our speed of play, passing, uh, the one and the two touch, you know, in and around the box, because that's that's how you're going to break uh, good teams down. So uh, that's what we need to do uh, tomorrow night. It's just that wee bit more speed of play, and that's what good players they can up it. They can, and it's about decision making. You look at Tillman, where are we going to go with Lawrence as well? They're clever in terms of they've, they've got that wee killer ball. They can play. So I hope Kent's back. We need his uh, we need his pace. We need his energy, his attitude as well. Uh, we're talking about Matondo, you know, for that goal for sure. Like, that is brilliant. I love that. So you're just seeing guys prepare to work. But uh, oh, it's going to be brilliant. It's got, and this is this will go the full. This is not just about the morning night. This is it's going over to Holland and try to get a result so it's going to be tight we might need a wee bit of luck but uh, it's about levels and we've, pro we've proven it I think uh, and you've just got to remind ourselves as well you know about how well we've done last year against good quality sides and you know and, and have that mental approach tomorrow night so uh, I, I just I can't wait yeah. I mean I don't know what it is but I seem to prefer to play away from home now first and then of course, see how we go in I there and come would, back. I think we'd all prefer that, you know. So uh, it is what it is, you know. So we're going to have to do it probably the hard way. Um, so, but uh, this is a game that I think could, uh, could go all the way. Could go even extra time, even next week. So, uh, but a clean sheet for me uh, the morning night. If we could maybe nick one uh, or two, you know, it'd be, be amazing. Yeah. Tom, do you think there'll be many changes from uh, Saturday's game? Yeah, I think we can't be too open. Uh, I think the bench will have a part to play again. Uh, I think he might match up in a 4-3-3. They tend to operate in that fashion. I think if we press too high, they've got that mechanism and pace to get in behind. Mm -hmm. We have to watch that gap between midfield and our back four to ensure that's not exploited by guys like De Jong or Beerman. Um, they've scored 18 goals in five games this season. So they're certainly potent in front of goal. Uh, I'm not convinced that I really want to see a kind of flat midfield three uh, of, say, Jack Lundstrom Kamara or Jack Lundstrom Davis rotated in any which shape you like. But I think Lundstrom or Jack is crucial in allowing our fullbacks to get forward and engaging further up the pitch. Mm. And when we do that, we have to ensure that on the transition, we're not exposed. Um it's not a night yet for Morelos. The manager has explained that one, saying, you know, he last started a match on the 20th of March, uh, a long time ago now. He does look to be desperate for game time, and we know that he's such a goal threat. Uh, but Cholak with three and three is the man in possession, a bit like at the other end of the pitch. John McLaughlin is the man in possession, and the manager trusts these guys. 
and I trust you, Van Van Brokers, to get it right. I, I know there's no direct correlation, but let's look back to Thursday when Dundee United went to Holland and got absolutely scalped and a bloody nose and sent home. Not so much because as they out are a great team, but they played in the old-fashioned Dutch way. They passed the ball with fun, with purpose, and with mm-hmm. pace, as Derek's identified. And you can guarantee PSV will be something similar. And I just can't help being a certain vintage to rolling back to 1979 and one of the most wonderful goals that Bobby Russell scored in his career. Uh, a terrific pass from Tommy McLean in behind, and, and Bobby just latched onto it and swept it home. Um, I think it'll be a terrific game of football tomorrow night and taking any lead forward to the second leg, which remember is the Wednesday, not the Tuesday, back in Eindhoven, will be terrific. We've got the qualities, and we've got the confidence, and we just need to make sure, as Derek's identified, a clean sheet would be absolutely terrific. Yeah, Patience as well, uh, we're going to need that, you know, because it's not going to be us having wave after wave of attack. You know, there'll be times we'll not have the ball, you know, so uh, again, the fans, you know, they played their part last week. So they've maybe to a degree got to show a little bit more patience uh, tomorrow night. But uh, Tom, just uh, you would imagine them, Tom, they'll be really, and you're just identifying that in terms of the, the quick pass and the, the pace. We've got to be really guarded. And it's interesting, you're talking against the counter attack. So that's why a Lundstrom or a Jack or a Davis, for me, you know, really switched on. If your full backs have went, you know, that they've just got to kind of, slot in there, you know, and just, just acknowledge and, and, you know, if you, you feel that they're going to hit us, you know, you've got the players that are just going to sit off a wee bit. So it's intriguing, so it is. Yeah, I mean, that's, I've never heard this saying before, but Stevie C is yeah. saying PSV ain't going to treat their half like the Glastonbury campsite. That, that's what suits Rangers even more, uh, a team who wants to play football. And I love it, see, when a team comes to Ibrox and actually wants to play a game of football, it's, it's one of the best times I think you'll see Rangers and the other team as well. It's always really exciting. And the one thing about Dutch teams, Dutch players, they don't lack confidence. So they'll fancy it tomorrow night. So, uh, and that's how, it's, that's how it's going to be, I think, so tight. There's nothing probably going to be, no much between the two teams. But uh, but that's what they bring. They bring a, a confidence, an arrogance, if you want to call it that, with them. You know, so, uh, but we've, we've got to be mindful of that and the supporters that this is not going to be just, as I say, it's like maybe against Union, we were at it right from the off and, and bossing the game. We're going to have periods tomorrow night but we're not going to have the ball. So this is we're just going to keep it tight, you know, and when we get our opportunities, this is where we've got to try and seize them, take it. Yep. There's Stevie McDonald saying he's going for three now. Oh, that's, <laughs> I, I think PSV will get at least one or two goals. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a high scoring game tomorrow. Uh if if they are open and if they come to play football, I think it'll be like four two Rangers. I know. I think I, I don't think there's going to be many goals. To be honest with you, I think I, I would take a one nothing for us uh, tomorrow night. Uh, because even do you know something? See, we we don't get the win that we all desire. I still think we're we're capable. Of we go away with the, what we have got. Uh, Tom's talking about in the bench. We we've got pace in our team. We've got clever, good players. So uh, even if we don't get the win tomorrow night, I still. Think we'll over the two legs, we'll have enough going over there, you know. Just to, it's going to be tight, it's going to be nerve jangling, but I think we'll just get there, you know. However, we do it, we'll just, just get over the line. Well, do you know, I'm going to come on to Tom's book now mm-hmm. because I've been doing a wee bit of research <laughs> myself, right? And do you know, do you know, back then, they only needed nine games to get to the final, amazing. But see, us last year to get to the Seville final, we had 19 games. Wow, that's unreal, isn't it? That's how you need to carry yeah. a squad, isn't it? That's uh-huh. how the squad's so important. We've just touched on it, how strong our bench is, you know, and over the over the course, you know, and even out with our bench, you know, guys come back, we're talking about young Lowry, you know, and you need that, you know, when you're playing so many games. And, I mean, these guys, you know, they're athletes now. They're not just uh, very, they're not just talented football players. They're athletes, you know, and they're, uh, they're along the way, they're going to pick up wee niggling injuries. So uh, the squad... It's so important. Tom, <laughs> you keep on catching me out tonight. <laughs> no, no, Tom, it's always me. Uh, your book and also well, the, the film that's on 
Amazon for uh, Europe seventy two. Yeah. It's some it's some story when you look when you look at it. There was missed flights. There was the away goals rule that nobody knew the real rules, and it was just an amazing story. I mean, see if they would turn that into a real film now. That would be a classic, wouldn't it, Tom? But what was it There's like some... to write a book for all your heroes? It, it was just a dream. You know, some of the catastrophes along the way, as you say, you couldn't make it up. It, it, it would almost be a Royal Rovers uh, annual. Um, you know, some tragedy along the way as well. Ronnie McKinnon, who was a wonderful centre-back for Rangers, elegant, pacey, um, won everything that was to be won in the early 60s, um, broke his leg in Lisbon and effectively... His Rangers career was over. He never played in the side again. Dave Smith, who came in to replace him, had just come back from a double leg break um, and stepped in there and was just outstanding from a defensive perspective. In the final, paired along with Derek Johnson, they had never played together before at 18 years of age. Um, It's just an absolute fairy tale uh, along the way. But one classic was I wanted to uh, sit down with Bud that is a.k.a. Willie Johnson and uh, Colin Steen, mm. the scorers on the evening in Barcelona. And I said, it, it was at the COVID stage when you could eat inside a restaurant, but you couldn't drink in a restaurant. And a lot of them put on kind of tents outside or, or decked area where you could go outside and have a drink. Um, but when you're in the restaurant, you couldn't have any alcohol. So I arranged to meet uh, Colin and, and Bud in South Queensbury, uh, and that was kind of central. Colin lives in Linlithgow, Bud's in Kirkcaldy, so that, that was a, a good central point to meet. And I booked a table for lunch in a wee bistro right on the, the waterfront in South Queensbury for two o'clock. So we met there and sat outside in the sat tent that, that was uh, put up against the big window to the restaurant um, with an awning. And by four o'clock, I'm saying to the waitress, we'll be in shortly to have our lunch. And I'm having coffee, water, ginger beer. Uh, Steenie's making a good attempt at, you know, refloating the financial benefits of French Red uh, for all the wine growers <laughs> across the channel. And Bud only drinks half pints because he said pints are too much. But he drinks two at a time. It's quite unique to see him drink <laughs> half pints and then disappear for a cigarette constantly. And Eventually, after we had our lunch and sat back outside again, but this time it was nearly five o'clock, and we sat out there until around eight. And I, I took my phone and I just said, I'm just going to record the conversation, guys, uh, as is. And I put my phone down, recorded the two hour conversation effectively, came home, and I thought, right, now I need to take that transcript and make it a story about them talking about their teammates. And I thought, do you know what? Probably the easiest way to do it is put it in the book word for word. Tom, Bud, Steeny. Tom, Bud, Steeny. So my question and their reactions. And uh, it's, it's quite different. Um, it's probably not a, a common method of going to print. But the, the publishers loved it. And there's been loads of positivity about that. The words that are in that section of the book about their teammates are exactly as were said to me while we were sitting around the table having a, a coffee or something slightly stronger for the other two. And it was like, I said, Willie Matheson, tell me about Willie Matheson. Ah, a Rolls Royce. What a player. What a player. Cemented opponents, got up and down the park. Absolutely terrific. It, it was like, right, that's, that's what they said. There's no sugar coating it. I'm not diluting it. It's exactly as they said is in the book. So it was a privilege and a pleasure. Uh, along the way, I know Tom. I know that you've done a lot of research and you get lots of old newspaper clippings uh, from yeah. the library as well. Was there anything that was there anything while you were doing your research that you actually found something that you didn't actually know? Yeah, you could have bought a Mercedes for twelve hundred quid. Uh, <laughs> I went to the Mitchell <laughs> Library um, and I had to because of COVID again. I had to tell them what I wanted, so I asked for uh, copies of access to the Old Evening Citizen, which way before your time, Ricky. That was the, the newspaper of choice in Glasgow. You had two papers of an evening. You had the Evening Citizen and you had the Evening Times. The Times being a, a, a smaller paper, the Evening Citizen was a broadsheet. I asked for the Citizen, I asked for the Daily Express, and I asked for the Daily Record for the months of May 
1972. Um, and I went in this huge, big, leather-bound uh, pile of all the newspapers. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Picking off all the bits as had been reported at the time of 1972. The whole vocabulary used in the media at that time, hugely different. You know, the match reports were actually blow by blow of how the game unfolded. It, it wasn't the observations or the beliefs of the reporter. It was actually just how the game had unfolded. Um, but I was adverts caught my eye, you know, buy yourself a new Mercedes from calendars. Um, I think, or an Audi, C100, 1200 quid. I thought, if only nowadays to buy one of them 50 years hence, it's probably nearer 50 grand at the time. So it was a real experience and an afternoon I'll never forget. I could have been there for days just enjoying uh, the delights of Mitchell Library. And I, I would encourage anyone to go to the same. It costs you nothing. It's free to access all this historical files. Yeah, yeah I mean, Willie Waddle, Jock Wallace, they made some amount of changes in Ibrox back then, didn't they? Uh, well, I, I, mean, I think I, we shouldn't I forget talking about the, the Murder Hill as well. Yeah, yeah we shouldn't Sorry, forget I was just the saying about the Murder Hill. When you done that, did you know? Oh, I've I, oh, I've yeah. done it umpteen times, uh, and, and not just with Rangers. Uh, Alec McDonald, uh, he took you me to Hearts, and that's where we done. That's where we done more pre-season, and it wasn't just the, the physical side, of it, Tom. It was the mental side to see who would. Uh, well, nobody really did, but who would uh, chuck it? You know, because yeah. uh, that's so. That's what it's all about. You know, so it's not just people go at. Oh, it's it's just it's all about the fitness. It's no. It's a wee test. To you, you will once you've you've gave everything, can you go again? Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. Uh, it was a wee test, a wee mental test, I thought as well. Yeah, I mean, reading, reading that was one of the features of that team of '72. Ricky was the fitness level was massive, and, and that was down to the conditioning of Jock Wallace. But Willie Waddle, you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. his legacy at Rangers is still there for all to see. We had the tragedy of of the Ibrox disaster, and Willie Waddle was immediately on a mission to make sure that that would never be repeated in Ibrox and build the best in class stadium that he could. Meanwhile, he delivered the European trophy along the way and within three weeks of the success in Barcelona, he'd handed the baton to Jock Wallace as his successor. Um, It's terrific. We've got the Waddle Suite in in Ibrox at the moment and some of the pictures in there, if you ever get the opportunity, um, any of our our viewers tonight on your podcast, it's amazing again to see Willie Waddle from his playing days, who played in the first team as a 15-year-old at Rangers, right through to winning that uh, Cup Winners' Cup. Some of the mementos and photographs are, are, are quite special. Um, Jock Wallace, who left, managed the Cup on two occasions, left after his first escapade, um, delivered the, the league championship, um, never said why. And I think that character again comes back, that he'd Rangers in his blood, uh, and no one really knows yet. You can put two and two together what happened but he kept his own counsel in that one uh, and Jock Wallace terrific manager in this great history of Rangers Football Club yeah do you know I've got loads and loads of questions Tom for you but we we'll need to get you back on I think because uh, we're, we're near the end of the show this, already I love listening to this as well uh, and see that afternoon you've spent with Colin uh, Colin Steen and we Willie Johnson oh, I tell you what you should have gave us an invite I'd have loved that just sitting back in the background, I'd love to listen. To it. Well, I do. I love listening to the two of them. But yeah. that's what an afternoon that would be. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Aye. I, I love it. even see Big DJ and Derek Parlane and all that. Brilliant, they're, they're, aren't they? The stories are. That, aye. And sometimes you you, you think are they true? <laughs> what was it like? Me, me and Derek went down to Blackpool. You, mm. uh, down to Gallon Pioneer. Remember? Aye. And all the way down, Big DJ's in the back, just like that. <laughs> Every line that you said. He would pick something on it. But me, remember, he, he told us a true story about his two brothers that worked in the tyre factory, but they went bust. And me and you started laughing. <laughs> Is that what you're laughing at? It's a true story. <laughs> I think that must have been his first true story that he told us in the way down. There are some characters that are they're brilliant. brilliant. But oh. Tom, where, where can we buy your book then? Uh, all good bookshops and some bad ones as well, I imagine. But certainly um, your usual online marketplace, uh, Waterstones have it. Smiths have it, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe the odd Rangers night. Uh, if the boys are there, we'll send a few along to the event, and they can be signed by the former players. I know there's one night coming up in the fantastic uh, Isle of Lewis Rangers Supporters Club, Lewis and Harris, and I've sent some books up there. I think they're entertaining uh, 
Colin Willie, Alex McDonald, Derek Johnston, um, Ronnie McKinnon, who lives up there now. Uh, yeah. So I've sent some books up there, and it'd be a terrific memento of a great evening, I'm sure. And likewise, any other events, I'll try and send some books around. And um, I, I think we need to cherish these heroes of 50 years ago. I don't think we do enough of it. Um, mm. I think it's been recognised uh, almost everywhere. You know, I, I, Seville was bittersweet. I thought they have to rewrite the title of that last book if we'd won the cup and we came within a whisker back to those fine margins, Derek. Um, but it's the only European silverware that's been delivered. We've, we've been in the finals in the early 60s against Fiorentina. We lost by one goal to nil in Nuremberg against an emerging Bayern Munich side in 67. We won it in 72. Manchester uh, against Zenit. We know we got a raw deal there and we came so close punching way above our weight last year, to, uh, last season to get to the final. But we have to cherish these guys who are still with us, the Peter McCloys, the Alex McDonalds, Collins Deans, the Willies, Alfie Cohen, Derek Johnson, Derek Parlin, Tom McLean, who isn't just so well at the moment, and Dave Smith, Willie Matheson, we've lost Sandy Jarvin, sadly, they've lost the late great Colin Jackson as well along the way, Jerry Neath, the sub-goalie in the campaign, no longer with us, Andy. Penman as well. So the ones that are still with us, truly great Rangers and we have to cherish every moment we have them. Tom, well said. That's absolutely brilliant. Bang on the money. Thank you. Definitely. Right. Before you go, Tom, predictions for tomorrow night then? Well, I'm not going to be uh, maybe as, as definitive as yourself. Uh, Ricky, with, with that goal fest that you're, you're talking about right there. So. And, yeah, Stevie also coming in with a 3-0, which, as I say, I, I put that down to Utopia. I think it'll be a bit tighter than that, but I think we'll travel to Eindhoven for the second leg next Wednesday with a 2-1 advantage, and I think over there we've got the qualities to get the job done. So I think we'll be getting a bit more familiar with that old lasagna Champions League music. It starts tomorrow night at Ibrox and if we win 2-1 I think that would give us the platform to progress. Tom, you just gave me goosebumps there when you were singing. <laughs> and okay, give us that again. <laughs> lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Derek. Let's go. Like Tom, I think it's going to be really tight. Uh, I would take a one-nothing. Anyone. I just oh, I, I like to see us keep the, the clean sheets going. You know, that's three in the bounce. Uh, so, clean sheet tomorrow night and we could nick one. You know, because Sholak, you know, he's got, he's got three goals now and he comes alive in the box. So, hope something just breaks to him, you know, bang. And I would take that. Good. I'm afraid that's us finished already. But, Tom, it's been thanks excellent seeing you again and thanks uh, for coming on uh, and thanks for the books remember and follow us on YouTube Facebook Twitter uh, make sure you subscribe to our channel so that we can keep this great uh, podcast going uh, we're also on Spotify Amazon everything we're everywhere but thanks again, and thanks again Tom. Tom we'll see you again soon yeah. wish you every success yeah, the with the new podcast thank you to the Rangers they like us <laughs> take care Tom take care guys Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.